This morning, we've heard the story of our patron saint, St. Paul. What does it mean for us that this man, Saul, later to become Paul, is our patron? Saul was building his career on persecuting the early church, also known as the way. In a few weeks before, he had held the coats of those who were gathering and stoning the apostle Stephen. And today we hear how he had sought out authority from the rulers in Jerusalem, the same rulers who had persecuted Christ, to go after the Christians in Syria. I wonder what Saul was thinking as he packed his bags that morning to leave to go to Damascus. I wonder if he had any idea what was in store for him that day as he got ready to go and continue, continue his work of persecution before having this amazing turn where the church's greatest persecutor became her greatest promoter. Saul would be knocked from his horse and have a vision of the risen Christ, and he would stand up with a new name and with a new mission. With the help of a reluctant Christian community in Damascus, scales would fall from his eyes, and he would see the world as it truly is, and Paul would finally proclaim of Jesus, he is the Son of God, leading him to a life of service, a life of starting and nurturing these small Christian congregations around the Mediterranean, and authoring those long, 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 very long letters, poorly edited, (laughs) that we now read on Sunday morning, often writing them from prison. This is a story that's about conversion. It's about conversion, a shift, a turning, a reversing of one's life. A story of conversion. I've come to believe that many of us have trouble with this word. This word, conversion. Because sometimes in its use it means leaving and subscribing to a new religious tradition to the exclusion of some other one. Conversion is also seen, often seen as some sort of official ecclesiastical or religious act of changing citizenship, so to say. But in the Christian mystical tradition, in the Christian monastic tradition, conversion has a much broader meaning than that. Conversion refers to the meaning and movements of life, sometimes subtle, sometimes sudden, in which one moves to be a deeper follower of Jesus and eventually even grows closer to becoming one with Jesus. Sometimes conversion happens like it did for Paul all of a sudden in dramatic ways, those kind of born-again experiences. Maybe you've had one. 
Maybe you know someone who's had one. And sometimes conversion, it's much more subtle. It comes through brief moments, a realization while you're driving your car, a moment at the altar rail on Sunday morning, a shift after a conversation with a friend, or a glimpse of the sun rising after a very long winter. I often think that tragedy can bring about these conversions, maybe after the death of a loved one or a friend, or news of yet another national tragedy, or when a job or an opportunity ends. And sometimes conversion happens over long, long periods of time, like maybe over a long marriage, a regular attendance at church, maybe through spiritual practice or a spiritual habit. A mentor of mine refers to this kind of conversion as the conversion through life. Conversion. Sometimes joyful, sometimes at first painful, Moments that help us to get our priorities straight, our values in line, help us to move from places of fragmentation to places of wholeness, from places of hurt to places of healing, from blindness to sight. Or as a friend of mine says, from self-centeredness to other-centeredness, to God-centeredness. And this morning, we're given another conversion story as well. Peter and his friends. These followers of Jesus, they'd had an eventful few years, and they just experienced the crucifixion, and Christ had appeared to them two times risen. They'd just been with Thomas in the upper room when Thomas said, show me your hands and your side. And after all these amazing, these incredible events, what did they go do? They go fishing. I relate. <laughs> but they were fishermen before. They go back to their old life. They go back to what they were doing before any of this happened. Before Jesus came to them on that lakeshore the first time, they go back, they go back to the way it was before. The place they thought would be comfortable. The place where they thought they knew what to do. I imagine that in all their vulnerability and their confusion, they sought to get back to something familiar. But it didn't work. They couldn't do it. They fished and they fished and they fished all night and they caught nothing. I was trying to think while I was working on this, what was a moment that I felt like that? And I had this memory of after my graduation from college, packing up my car and driving home back to my father's house 
and sitting on the bed that, that I'd slept in in high school and realizing I can never go home again. It's just not the same. I'd changed. Maybe you have a moment like that for yourself as well. And for the disciples, it wasn't until they heard Jesus' call again to try something different that they then cast their nets on the other side of the boat and they were able to catch fish. And great was that haul. And then they gather with Jesus on that lake shore. They ate the fish and the bread. Then Jesus calls Peter forward, calls him to the side. And Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Asks him three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. A biblical note, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when Peter denies Jesus, the question is, do you know this man? And Peter says, I don't know this man. In John, we're reading from John this morning, it's different. Peter is asked, aren't you one of his disciples? Aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter says, I am not. Peter denies himself as being a follower of Jesus. And here in this moment, this exchange, Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, I do. And Jesus says, feed my sheep, tend my flock. Peter is being welcomed back into the fold by Jesus. There's no apology or forgiveness. But right there, Peter's becoming a follower again. And he's given the mission to serve the world. And then finally being told by Jesus, follow me. It's a story of conversion. Two of the greatest leaders of our early faith, Peter and Paul, stories of conversion, stories of change, stories of growth. It's actually what our faith is all about, this conversion. It's, our faith is not about somehow having a lock on the truth or knowing our, we're right. Certainly not about being perfect. It's about conversion. Conversion exemplified by these two. God loves you just the way you are. And God loves you too much to leave you that way. That's for you, and that's for me. These conversions, your conversion, my conversion, it's not, it's not for ourselves. It's not so that we just somehow like feel better. 
But as with Peter and Paul, the conversion, it's for the sake of the world. It's to be able to serve, to be able to love, to be one who follows Jesus and becomes one with him. So what does it mean that Paul is our patron? It means that our life is about this conversion, yours and mine. Everything we do is about shaping and leading us into this conversion, this conversion that God invites us all into. One of the greatest teachers about spiritual transformation, Mahatma Gandhi, said, be the change you want to see in the world. Be the change you want to see in the world. It begins with you, it begins with me, and how we open ourselves to this movement of God converting us. How have you, how have you been converted in your life already? How are you being converted today? Amen.